Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with comic Meredith Dietz. Meredith Dietz, how the hell are you? Well, I'm doing just fine, Brian. How are you? Oh, good. Well, I'm so glad you're here because you're the one who's keeping us laughing during the quarantine because you write for people like The Onion and Reductress. I mean, you didn't call me a hero, so I'll just say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, yeah, what's, what, yeah, what, what does that entail? Because here on your Twitter thing where I follow you, your, de- your deets underscore Meredith, it says you're a headline contributor. Kind of how does that differ from somebody, you know, who's also writing the articles? Because, I mean, the headlines are, are the funniest part. I would say, yep, the joke is definitely always in the headline. Yeah. So after, the real writers in their writer's room, like, are all based in Chicago and, like, work all under the Onion entity. Like, if you notice on the Onion, there's never any bylines. It's always by the whole, um, it's very highly collaborative. So everything's okay. Onion. But they have, like, throughout the country around, I think it's like 50 to 70 contributors so once a week we submit 10 headlines and it's just the headline joke none of the article and then those get voted on and sometimes accepted and published and we never really know who writes them it seems like everyone just pitches joke and it takes one person at the end to polish off the whole article but yep it's just contributing the joke itself yeah. So at what yeah, what point in the process is that? Because I imagine some of these things can, you know, the article, the content can arise out of a funny headline. Or are you actually reading the, you know, is everybody reading the article and, and a bunch of people are pitching, you know, how to make this headline as funny as possible? Oh, that's a really interesting question. As far as I know, their writing process is always headline first and then they because like you said, that's the funny part. That's what gets them. Oh, right. so they, their, idea, their ideas and their writing are actually, the germs of their ideas are in all these headline contributors' ideas. Oh, it makes, they definitely, especially with timely um, things, it all comes from the writer's room themselves. But okay. for evergreen headlines, like if I see a baby on the subway and I'm inspired by some insightful observation, I might submit that in my Monday 10 pitches and they might publish that any time in the next few months. But if you see something extra spicy about Trump or Saudi Arabia or, you know, one of those two, um, <laughs> that, that, that usually <laughs> comes from, that's me reading the news, uh, that usually came directly from their writing staff. Now, is, um, is, is your, you know, when your headline gets published, is it always accompanied by an article? Because I, I, had, I had Brandon Follick on, and I thought that some of these might have been just reductress, might only be headlines. Is that, you know, does either The Onion or reductress traffic in just headlines sometimes? Well, or I want to... Always so accompanied happy, by a blurb, yeah. I'm so happy you talked to Brandon, because he, in addition to be, being one of, like, the funniest joke writers for reductress, <laughs> one of his images is consistently used as like the straight white douche ah. all the reductions things and he couldn't be more yes. different than that but i yes. love i saw his picture and going in I, you know I, I was picturing i had to be talking to some straight white douche and uh that's not what i got at all i just got a fucking just hilarious fucking dude who was the farthest thing from straight white douche i know so disappointing um but <laughs> to answer your question um 
Could you repeat your question? Well, I'm the now question is sometimes like on, on, on Reductress, is it always uh, accompanied by a blurb or a longer article or some, is there a section of the website where it's just headlines? Because, uh, you know, a, a headline can just, you know, appear, you know, you're reading an article on Reductress and along the right side, there's of course headlines of other things you could read. Is it ever just a headline or is it always going to have at least a funny blurb with it? Oh, I, I understand. So on Reductress, they do have from the print edition, which is just a, a section of the site, which are all one-liners where you click on it and either the image aids, aids the joke or the joke is just standalone and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. But on, so that's, just on on Onion, yeah. that's just on Reductress though, right? But yeah. And okay. Onion actually has a lot of different facets to it. So the news and brief, that's what it's called, is the most common yeah. one where it's a like breaking news headline of some sort. And there's always a like 250 word article underneath, but they also have one-liners like on their Instagram, which means there's no image associated with it or article. It's just the um, joke itself. It's just a headline. Wow. And they also have um, just image ones, but the onion also has like their feature section, like top, top five tips for apartment hunting. And they're all like, um, you know, like stalk the realtor, get to know them. Find out <laughs> what like that, that's like their tips. Um, so the Onion actually, yeah, has a lot of different forms, but the most common and what I contribute are supposed to be evergreen headlines. So something that can be used any time of year, isn't timely, and ideally should have a like 250-word article that can accompany it, which is important to keep in mind when submitting. Yeah. So it, I, I, there are tons I submit where I'm like, this is it, this is the joke. If there's nothing else, then <sighs> I, I'm so happy with this being a standalone. But it's, it's helpful to try to think, okay, well, where can... What's the follow-up? Where can the real writers take this after I submit it? Yeah, and because you don't want to, you don't want to waste people's time with just a bunch of just one-liners all the time. Now, now and, yeah. So, so in those situations, number one, if something doesn't get accepted, can you use it for yourself? And number two, have you ever had just kind of a one-joke uh, headline that is so funny that it ended up just as their one-liner on Instagram? I. When it comes to like rejected headlines, they're totally still your own. It's not like yeah. a NDA situation where once it reaches onionized, then you can't use that anymore. They just <laughs> um, obviously request that you don't advertise it as like, oh, this wasn't funny enough for the onion. So now I'm doing it too. <laughs> it's like, like non-disparagement non instead of ownership or something. Because exactly. I mean, I would think if they have 70 writers, the minute they're like, once it sees our eyes, you can't use it, homie. Those 70 writers would be less likely to submit there. Exactly. And so um, in that same vein, though, um, because it's so highly collaborative and like it's the Onion brand is never attached to like any individual writer, we're really not supposed to like um, assign ourselves a byline. Like if I see that something I wrote got published, I'm not supposed to be like posting all over social media like oh, I did this because it, there was a real team effort to get it to be published. But I have seen my own headlines and obviously been compensated for one-liners um, on Instagram. There was one recently about laundry and I'm, oh, I remember, sorry, it's changing uh, now. I remember I had one about like the NRA at one point and I was so happy there was no byline attached to it reading those comments. I was like, oh, <laughs> if my name was on that, I would have uh, been hunted down by now. People. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, I did, I did this Steve, a Stephen Scalise joke after he got shot. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was immediately, and I tell you, I said something like, "At least guns don't kill people," because that's their 
their argument on the right. It's like guns don't kill people, people kill people. And so like immediately after you shot, I said that because, you know, I went to law school and that's one of the arguments that they have. And immediately, you know, my small Twitter account, you know, back in the day when I used to write jokes, it got got boosted by some, you know, right wing commentator in fucking Omaha, Nebraska or some shit. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, they can, you know, retweet it to all their followers. and, And all of a sudden you have people who are not your you know, they don't they don't really agree with your sense of humor at that point. So, yeah, it's good they kept your byline off. But um, I, I suppose at that point, you absolutely repost it or whatever they do on Instagram. You just don't say, this is mine. You just kind of repost it. And, of course, all your followers know that it's probably yours. Oh, 100%. You see <laughs> But I'm yeah. glad, I mean, with your Twitter situation, I mean, obviously, I assume you just had some very um, amicable debate and everyone admitted that there are different sides to every issue. But... <laughs> Did you come at it as like from more the lawyer background or were you like, I'm making a joke? Oh, no. Like, I think I'd build myself as a comedian back in the day. And okay. uh, and I did that. And of course, I deleted it immediately because I was like, I do not need this. Like, it, it's not helping me in any way. Like, I don't give a shit. It was an easy joke. I imagine uh-huh. a parallel thought of 20 other people who thought of the same fucking thing. But then he, he, he like posted a screenshot and he's like, the Internet lives forever, Brian. And I'm like who the fuck cares? Like, I don't give a shit. Like, do I really think I'm going to encounter any of your Nebraska people in New York city because you've screenshotted my old joke? Who gives a fuck? Exactly. Oh, wow. (laughs) But like are a lot of these, you know, funny tweets, like if it was rejected headline, it can just be a hilarious tweets. It can be a hilarious tweet at deeds underscore Meredith, right? As long as you don't disparage the onion for having rejected it. Exactly. And I love the plug, but I would not uh, advertise my Twitter as hilarious. I would advertise it as, (laughs) half-baked and largely rejected no no i'm looking at your (laughs) your pin tweet here michael sarah that's dude the first tweet i see the pin tweet is fucking hilarious it took me one second to read it (laughs) and it's fucking original and perfect okay brag about your reading speeds (laughs) (laughs) but how'd you even get this far like how like obviously you're hilarious but how does one end up working for the onion like i was in chicago for a while and i thought i saw their office are they in the river north neighborhood do you know? So I, I've never been to Chicago, devastating, right. but um, yes, they are based in Chicago. Uh, that's a great question because a lot of people do ask that, and I consider myself very fortunate in just the kind of word-of-mouth way of finding out. Basically, um, twice a year, they offer a fellowship position like to one or two writers, and the packet for that comes out, and it's very like open um, application. It's 25 headlines three of those written out in article format and then one of those features jokes like the sort of like top five tips for buying a car top five myths about coronavirus that kind of joke which i love um and some people contribute are like features contributors like that basically um spoiler i did not get the fellowship but the pipeline that i know of is if you get into the top 10 applicants for the fellowship then they extend a four-week trial period where you submit pitches um, you know, once a week for four weeks. And yeah. they, I believe they judge like the range there um, and timeliness. And, you know, that was an opportunity. So for like the fellowship application, I didn't really do a lot of timely stuff as much because I didn't know when they'd be reading it versus when I was writing it, that sort of thing. You yeah. want to do green and show that you're able to like make those sort of onion like observations and just show a range in general, like, uh, here's a pop culture piece. Here's their like, um, they have like an area man 
character sort of who always is making like very um <laughs> i love area man area man is fucking hilarious and, and like is the reason they also have you write article length ones because they know that if you ultimately are a contributor for the headlines you have to keep in mind that okay an article is going to have to come from this or are they thinking if you're good enough at writing the articles they're also going to offer you a job in chicago or, or, or some of their article staffers are, I, I, but I think you said all the staffers are on site in Chicago. That's my understanding. Also, okay. I should have said this at the beginning. Everyone, take all of this with a grain of salt. You, I, I am, <laughs> I fisted the onion mostly through email. So, but I, they're, uh, they've actually been doing some like sit in meetings recently since it's all been virtual, and that's been fantastic to observe. Just wow. people just, just like some of the funniest satirical minds just like riffing about um like how we hurt how saudi arabia hurt our feelings when they started making their own <laughs> it's great but um i think yeah i think the goal of writing those is because they are trying to find someone to be their fellow which is you know i assume the natural way to then join the writer's room um oh. it's like I, I think if someone because that's such an intense learning experience and what a great way to like figure out if someone is cut out for the writer's room but i um I think it's also a bit of the first thing you said of like, okay, now are these, is this someone who can just master the one liner? Is this someone who's actually thinking about it in the context of a story with real legs? So I'll make yeah. some both. Yeah. And, I, and I, so it, it, the Zoom meeting or whatever you were able to virtually attend that had you kind of a fly on the wall in the writer's room, if that was not going on pre pandemic, I would think it should continue regardless because it seems like it would be a great fringe benefit for anybody who's contributing headlines. Uh, if they're listening, I agree. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I know, it, I, and also you could, I, I suppose you even could clamp down certain things. Like if you wanted people to stop working for competitors, you can be like, well, if you if you want to kind of join the virtual writer's room in the future, um, you know, you can do so. But, you know, if you're exposed to our great minds riffing satirically, it's like you can't be working for reductors at the same time. Oh, I think it's, well, you definitely can. I mean, reductors, I mean, just have such uh, distinct voices on their own. But okay. I do. I think like one of the greatest benefits also is um, one, the like creativity and the flow in that, but also like, I always want to know if what I'm like, what kind of topics just makes the whole room just like groan with uh -huh. like frustration or discomfort. Like what could in like uh, another example is sort of an maybe unspoken, maybe overt rule of like reductors onion, those kinds of satirical things is you're not really supposed to write headlines about comedy. Because that's yeah. so inside baseball, or it doesn't reach to mainstream, or it doesn't feel like it's like punching in the right direction. Like, cause oh, when I like review like some people's like satirical headlines, you know, just like in a workshop setting, there's always one of like um, improv 101 class show, not that bad, which is obviously funny to <laughs> us. That that just doesn't reach the mainstream audience, and um, <laughs> which I I always love it where it's like. A one I like I'm guilty as well. Like one I a joke I was attached to I think for a while was like open mic comic has refreshing insight into masturbation, bitch girlfriend, something like that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that I mean, that makes sense to me because I've been in a basement with a bunch of open mic comics who have yeah. so much uh, original, fresh insight into their bitch girlfriends. But <laughs> I, um, honestly. That's not even that true to my experience. I've done like Brooklyn comedy where it is mostly not straight guys being awful. I mean, yeah, yeah, I hear they, got a, they, have, 
they have good audiences there and maybe it's because the well it actually allows the good comedians the original comedians to kind of spread their wings and all the hacks with their masturbation you know bitch girlfriend jokes can stay in manhattan or something can stay in manhattan and can stay at like just the venues where i didn't go like there was just a bit like i don't i maybe i put myself in a bubble but maybe i also made the right choice and always going to mics that were you know primarily for marginalized people or for like lgbtq um spaces or just not straight spaces. yeah um I was, so, I was so just taken with the fact that i had chanuk to sarah on and i had colby smith on and he agreed too that like a lot of you know a lot of the great mics are in brooklyn and i think colby smith said something like dude for a while there i was able to what go to all my mics and not like, not get off the what the G train or the L train or whatever that fucking train is like that's amazing. Oh, yeah. But like somebody li I live in Astoria Queens and it's just like you know we have QED but I'm not really a stand up but you know just having the early experience of having you know going to mics in Greenwich Village or some shit and it's just like no audiences whatsoever and and like I had an audience in Chicago the first audience I had an open mic was actually a real audience and that was amazing so I just you know unless I'm living in Brooklyn I just can't fathom going through the the open mic um, rigmarole, you know, unless, like, you actually have real audiences there, and it sounds like that happens in Brooklyn. Wait, so your first open mic ever was had a real audience? Oh, yeah, it was in Chicago and had a real audience. Totally, the Cubby Bear right by Wrigley Field was totally full. It was full of drunk people. They loved me. It was great. And then I moved to New York City, and <laughs> yeah, I went to a couple of Greenwich Village mics, and there was, you know, five comics <laughs> yeah. there, and they're all paying attention to their phone, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, tough crowd. Wait, but I'm all. You're in Astoria. I'm in Sunnyside. Oh, like, cool. Yeah, I lived in Woodside for a second first. Yeah, so I know Sunnyside. It's on the way from Woodside okay. to Astoria. Exactly. I'm actually kind of in more Woodside, but I say Sunnyside. That's oh. honestly exposing what I always do because I'm from Pennsylvania and I'll say I'm from Philly, and they're like, "Oh, I'm actually from just outside of Philly," and I'm like, "Okay, me too. I've like been to Philly." <laughs> <laughs> just, but yeah, I'm in Woodside. But I would say there. An interesting mix of the two things you described is that Brooklyn, I mean, the audience is always other comics for the most part, at least where I was, but they're really like supportive, encouraging audiences. I think that's the difference uh -huh. when I go to like a Manhattan mic and I'm like, it's like what you described. I'm like, oh, everyone here is on their own phone, like mouthing along to their own set. And mm -hmm. I would go to Brooklyn where people like genuinely will laugh out loud to like at first to give you encouragement and not in the, not always in like, the fake way but sometimes in the way that they're just like being uh generous giving hosts like in the same way that you're laughing at this podcast right now <laughs> <laughs> you're like well yeah so, so they're they're kind of saying hey if i'm laughing here there's something there and exactly. on the other side on the other side of the coin i'll be silent for the for the moments i don't see anything promising there it's like laughing is signaling that yes meredith Deitch should go in this direction and do you, i think there's kind of there there would be a role for something like what you're doing you know, being a fly on the wall, being a headline contributor. I love the idea of that. Is there any way to do that in the, the stand-up scene that would allow supportive people to kind of comment on each other's stuff, you know, either online or at mics or whatever? Have you ever tried to kind of like, you know, bring your great experience with collaborative stuff at the Onion or Reductress, bringing it to the stand-up comedy scene or no? I think not in a way that I can take credit for, but I know that a lot of really fantastic writers have merged those spaces in original and supportive ways. Like, um, oh, I wish I could plug their stuff more thoroughly, but like, I know there's something called like some fun lines where people okay. read um, things or um, someone on Twitter is putting on a show right now, sort of like rejected headlines. I think it's called like, this is not for us or something where people can go and like 
in a more stand-up style present all of their rejected work, which I think is so fun and reflective of like the supportive community and the fact that we're all we all have faced rejection together and it's not something to shy away from. It can be something that can be reworked as the bit. Like the yeah. fact that you say like it's sort of like when you read something off your notes app and you're like, this is not really a joke. It's just a thought. And once you read it, it becomes maybe like the lack of humor or the fact that it's so half-baked makes it funny. And the same <laughs> way you present something, you're like, check out this thing that got t- completely rejected. Um, it makes it like, oh, I have one thing that I don't, I think I've submitted it so many places and it's, it's embarrassing to say. I just thought it was so funny, like two years ago, and I couldn't ever give it up. It was something about the like dwindling bee populations, and I was like, nation scientists like combat dwindling bee populations with advent of single ten ton bumblebee or something <laughs> stupid as hell. Yes, and I, just, I love it. But you know, like when you just get attached to a joke, and you're like, yes. I've never gotten good feedback, but I'm gonna die with this baby. <laughs> Yeah. And so what do you do? You kind of videotape yourself kind of saying it out loud and then you put it on this rejected bits thing or no? I think, so I think the rejected bits thing is going to be live. Um, okay. And I don't know their next lineup, but I know that, um, and I also think that's been almost entirely women or like women identifying, but maybe that's just like a reflective of the people it's reached. Maybe that's not a, like a requirement or anything, but, um, I think I think it's so great to be able to have a community where you can like t- be like this joke didn't work for anyone real, so <laughs> now you all. <laughs> <laughs> but but I love that too, and I, I almost you know if I ever start up you know open mics like if the you know the the quarantine ever ends and we have vaccines and shit like that, I would love to you know you know I think I've had about 150 160 guests on here. I think that among them there has to be people who would like to go from open mic to open mic together, so that you know that. I mean, first of all, you're incentivized to new, do new stuff because they're more more likely to laugh at stuff they haven't heard. But if you had some sort of common rule where everybody has to pay attention and stuff like that, and in return, everybody pays attention to you and doesn't leave because you guys are going to be going from mic to mic together. Like, there's got to be something there. There has to be. And it sounds like there is. Um, and the things you named are things I can take advantage of. But, man, there's got to be a way for me to kind of do this, you know, with former guests or whatever. Everybody's kind of at a different level, though. So that will kind of... Um, you know, cut down. But even the most experienced people need fucking mics and shit that are quality, you know? I completely agree. Oh, man, if you just started this, like, a live podcast recording, but, like, more like a mic, um, oh. I think everyone would be down. And you'd have to force everyone to go to Astoria, which is, you know, abroad for some people. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would love to make people come to Queens. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it's it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brian Everybody. Coffin and Meredith Dietz are doing it in Sunnyside, Woodside, and Astoria. Or we could do it online, I suppose. But yeah, it would have to have rules. You know, like everybody has to, you know, stick around and via Slack or whatever, give three comments and everybody's shit, you know? Like, and I think there's probably a way to do that. But, you know, I think the germ of the idea is here on Meredith Dietz's episode, and that's fucking great. And we're going to keep it. And one, one question I have real quick is, I know that Brandon Follick serves as the picture of certain reductress articles, and he comes across as a straight white douche or whatever on articles. Like, has your picture been used for any reductress articles? And what would the accompanying headline be if we saw your picture? I'm looking at your picture here on Dietz underscore Meredith at Twitter here. Um. 
Well, tragically, if you're looking at the picture, you know I have um, a face for writing. No, um, <laughs> that's a face for podcast. I have not been a stock photo. Um, I think they've had calls for like photo shoots before, and a lot of the photos are not people who are writers. So there's like tons of writers, and I think like someone had a viral tweet recently about like I can't believe I accepted to do this um, stock modeling shoot 10 years ago. It's just then like being like, I killed my wife. That's obviously not an example, but you know. Um, Ooh, which would, I am cheating and pulling up productions right now to see one of my, um, yeah, I would think I would think your your Twitter bio would have a different headline than your Instagram bio. Your Instagram, of course, is deets underscore deets dot m, and something on on deets dot m would be something like a really happy like college student or professor, and then on your Twitter one deets underscore Meredith, it would be something like because you're with somebody else there, and you guys look like you're ready for some sort of music festival that's that's also has kind of a, a liberal politic to it. Oh. I know exactly what the picture is. It's um, from, oh yeah, a music festival from Jamaica Plain in Boston. They have- Is um, it? Is it a music festival? It's a jazz fest. It's one afternoon or maybe it's also, um, it is, it brings that Jamaica Plain Boston community together. There's like always this one ancient guy in a cowboy hat who's letting loose. There's weird electronic indie stuff from like the Berkeley Music Kids. There's like a, jazz band that has all ages and ethnicities oh what a fantastic environment and it's in the park and i just kick my shoes off and i yes. dance with all the people who have families and dogs um so i kind of nailed that right you really did and is, is, so you're um, telling me the truth that wasn't everything you're telling me about the jazz festival is true no i just riffed that no yes no, really? all- did you riff it <laughs> no it's true i believe it's, either um, you're I so good at you're so good at riffing but also I, I just love the fact that i nailed that picture and we're gonna keep track of your funny and i'll see at all the story-based open mics now and we're just gonna have our own and, and meredith deets thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me this is a blast and i hope everybody listens to it